Hamara's done an amazing job already to talking about uh, talking about peace. It, it's one of those things as I was thinking about this on and off over the, across the week. Um, in, in terms of all that's going on in our world, I just feel so underqualified to talk about peace in many ways. Um, I find it, I find it quite challenging to like to really know where to where to land. Where where do we want to go with? Where can we take this this morning? And so I want us to, I want us to go to Luke chapter one. If you have a Bible or your or your phone, uh, I'm just going to dip it. It's a pretty long chapter, so I'm not going to read all of Luke chapter one, but just keep it open and we'll take a few thoughts from um, from this first chapter of Luke. We're told in verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to this priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Oh, I don't have time this morning. Uh, and again, not that I'd be able to give a huge history lesson on, the, on, on, on Herod. But this was, these were dark days. These were dark days that the, that these people were living in. Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, not only did they, were they carrying this deep, deep disappointment of being barren. In those days, the shame, there was just such shame unfairly attached to those that were barren. And so th this, was, this is this couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, living with, in a place of disappointment, in a place of shame. And not only that, but they're living under this tyranny this tyrannical rule of Herod. And you don't have to go too far to get an insight into the type of this man. You could go to the gospel, Matthew's gospel and you'll see the sort of thing that he got up to in order to try and find where Jesus was. He just tried to eliminate all the children. So it's so ruthless, so dark was, was Herod and his reign that this, these were dark days that... Um, that these people were living in. I don't want to be doom and gloom this morning, but I think sometimes when we come to the Christmas story, uh, we rush, we rush straight to the birth of Jesus. We rush straight to the 25th of December. But as I've said several times, the gift of Advent is that it's it's creating in us this patient longing, this uh, this this learning to hope. This was this is what they, this was a pretty long Advent that um, Zechariah and Elizabeth and the people of Israel were living through. It was a pretty long advent. They knew that Messiah was coming. They had the promises that Messiah was coming, but they were waiting and waiting and waiting. They were living with such disappointment. They were living with such shame, and they were living in utter darkness. And, um, and Zechariah was this, this country priest, this like, little priest away out in the road. Maybe the equivalent today, a little priest in Rich Hill. But this Zachariah was just a little country priest, and his division um, had been selected to, to turn up to perform all of the rites at the temple. This was a big deal. 
This was, this was a big deal. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And the lots were cast. And Zechariah, from this little division, this little country town of Abijah, Zechariah is chosen. He has this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go in to the temple, to be the only one who had access into the temple to perform all of the duties and all of the rites. This was a huge deal. And so I don't know, like I, I sort of imagine if for me, like on a Sunday morning, there's, still, there's always still a wee bit of like angst in me, a wee bit of nervous energy in me every Sunday morning. I'm thinking of Zachariah. What would that have been like? This little country priest arriving to this big moment, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in and his own in the Holy of Holies, wanting to make sure he gets it right, that he does all the right things, that he says all of the right things. And as he enters into this space, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And, uh, and what the angels, what the angels say every time, what the angels say every time they encounter somebody in the Bible. Good boy, Isaac. Um, do not be afraid. Is there any prizes of a pen? Do you want a pen? Um, don't be afraid. So in that the pressure to get all of this right, and then an angel appears. And what I love about this moment, which I think I've maybe missed before, is that the angel says to him, Zachariah, your prayers have been heard. And so we've been living through seasons and season, decade and decade of disappointment and pain and hurt, all and everything else that's going on around him. And yet the angel comes to him, and the first thing that he wants him to know is that you're seen, Zachariah. Every time you've prayed, Every time you've came with a broken heart, you've been heard, and you've been seen, you've been known. And that's beautiful. And I couldn't help but think this morning, actually, of that verse in, in, um, in Isaiah 49, where the prophet Isaiah says, those who will wait, those who will continue to wait and hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. It feels like that was maybe a wee bit of Zachariah's experience in this moment. He has waited and he's waited. And he's kept the faith, and he, uh, he begins to live into this. Those who hope in the Lord, those who will wait, those who will wait will not be disappointed. And I know there's many different circumstances and stories in this room today, and, and, and maybe, that, maybe that's hard to hear, but I'd love it that, you're, some of it, that you'd be able to cling hold of that. Those who will wait, those who will continue to hope and trust will not be disappointed. And so we, the, the story goes on, the birth, of, um, the birth of John the Baptist is foretold, the birth of Jesus is foretold, Mary comes and visits Elizabeth, um, and we have that moment where the baby leaps in her womb and Mary um, sings this beautiful song, um, but we're not going to pause there, we're going to keep going. The birth of John the Baptist in verse 57 and then, so we know a wee bit of, we've heard a wee bit of uh, Zachariah's story, and then here is what we're told. If, you've, if your headings like mine in my Bible, it is, says Zachariah's song. And so we've heard a wee bit. I know there's probably so much more to say about Zachariah's story, but here is his song. And uh, verse 67 of Luke 1 his, his father, speaking of John the Baptist, his father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. 
Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. Um, I, it almost feels like some of what is, some of all that's going on in Zechariah and, and Elizabeth's story here is almost in, um, it reflects the story of a nation, reflects the story of, of the, 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 the nation of Israel. Um, because that experience that Zachariah and Elizabeth had was something that was was now going to be experienced by the people. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. He's come and he's redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then I love this moment. I feel like I caught this that I've maybe missed so many times. The tenderness of this moment. Uh, Zachariah is prophesying, filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, you almost feel like it's, it's this big grand moment, but he's actually just holding his boy. He's still holding his little one-week-old boy yet to be circumcised and, and, uh, and he holds him and he says, and you, my child. Just felt like I sensed the tenderness of that moment as I read it again. And you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven and, uh, and how much this would have meant to these people, how much this would have meant to Zachariah and Elizabeth, how much this would have meant to the people, how much this maybe would even mean to us today, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What a prophecy. And he turns to his boy and says, you're going to be part of this. You're going to be part of this as you prepare the way for Messiah. As you're ready for Messiah to come um, and to prepare those, the light to shine in those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. This just feels like such an incredible turning point. The, the coming of Jesus is it's the, most, it's the most significant turning point of, in history. But it feels like a pivotal moment in this story because they're now set free. It feels like this is a moment where they're, the light will shine in those living in darkness. Light will shine in those that have been living in the shadow of death. They will be led in the path to peace. They will be set free from fear to be filled with peace. It feels like a huge moment, a huge transition to be set free from fear to be filled with peace. As I sat with that, even uh, just over the last couple of days, sat with this idea of this moment being set free from fear to be filled with peace. And I think people will word it differently, but I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody that we will encounter, everybody in this world is looking to be set free from fear to be filled with peace. That's what we all want, and that is what the, why this season is so important. That's why this message is so important, because that's what Messiah brings. You mightn't word it this way, but essentially everybody is looking for a way to be free from fear and to be filled with peace, and that is what Messiah will bring. 
And it just stands in complete contrast to the world's way of peace. And we see evidence of that, as I've said, in the, in the way of Herod or in the way of Caesar. This way of peace, this path of peace that is talked about here, and as Jesus continues to demonstrate through his life, is complete contrast, like complete contrast to the world's way of peace. See, and on the coins, on the coins, um, back in these days, it would have had the face of Caesar on it, and he would have been called Son of God or Savior of the world. Words to that effect would have been used to describe Caesar. But Caesar's way of saving, Savior's way of being Savior was to be saved from enemies was by hating them more. To be saved from your enemies was to, to eliminate them. That was Caesar's way. That was the world's way of finding peace. The world's way to peace was to hate more. The world's way to peace was by, uh, was by killing enemies. And Jesus is coming. And you will, you will, if you're familiar with the gospel stories, if you're familiar with the way of Jesus, you'll see that he comes in a completely opposite spirit. In the way of Caesar and the way of Herod, and we don't have to, we don't have, we look, could look at every war in history, we could look at everything that's going on around us at the minute and see that that way just leads us into a deeper way of fear, a deeper sense of fear. The way of the world, the way of Caesar, the way of Herod, and the way of other empires around the world today is to attain peace, it's through violence. And the problem with that, and you'll know it and you'll see it, we continue to witness it, our hearts continue to break over the fact that violence just begets more violence. And the way of the world and the way of empire, the way of Caesar and Herod is to, to think, to, to find peace is through, to attain through violence. And Jesus is constantly, the life of Jesus, he's constantly trying to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is completely different. It's not just that Jesus comes and it's a, it's, a, it's a nicer version of the world or it's a kinder version of the world. It's, it's beyond that. It's, it turns everything on its head. It turns everything on its head. It's all turned 180. And um, there's just a few places that, I, that I'd love to point out. So, um, so take another few minutes here. Um, Jesus... And these incredible words, going back to them, my favorite portion, John 14 to 17. But here in John 14, uh, Jesus speaking says to the disciples, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not, uh, I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of the world is coming. Started in the wrong place, sorry. Uh, verse 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, uh, who the Father will send in my name. John 14, 26, sorry. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then it's this <clears throat> key words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This peace is completely different from the peace of the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, it would, it would suggest here, and even in the words that Jada read earlier, the world's way of peace depends on circumstance. The world's way of peace depends on what is going on around you. 
but that seems to conflict with Jesus' way of peace. Jesus' way of peace depends on God. Simple an answer as that sounds, it depends on God. It depends on knowing and trusting in his character. The world's way of peace will tell us that the only way to find it is if all your ducks are lined up in a row, if your, if your circumstances are good, if your situation is perfect. But I think Jesus is saying, that's, that's I have come to give a peace that is unlike the world. Don't be troubled. Do not be afraid. Um, and then Paul talks a bit about that peace in Philippians 4. talks about this peace that is just, you can't explain it. It's beyond what the world can give. The world can't give this type of peace. And the good thing about that is, is it also can't take it away. So this, the peace that God brings, this supernatural, inex, unexplainable peace, um, is again conflicting with the world's way of peace. It's a peace that the world can't give, and it's a peace that the world can't take away. Well, we've <clears throat> came to, I know I've said, don't rush through Advent to get to Christmas, and now I'm going to rush to Easter. But Jesus went all the way to the cross, never once deviating from the way of peace. Never deviated from the way of peace as he, as he went all the way to the cross. And even on his resurrection, um, I think it's the end of John's Gospel, on his resurrection, upon his resurrection, he ends up in the midst of the disciples in this room, and uh, and that's his first words to them. The first words of the, out of his mouth are peace, peace. Um, and so I, I, I suppose in this season, my my takeaway personally for myself, uh, and why I wanted to why I wanted to bring us just for just for a few seconds to the cross was. That feels like it's, that's my challenge this week and even in this Advent season. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so Jesus went all the way to the cross, never once deviating from this way of peace. Never once deviating, and if I can use this language, never once deviating from self-sacrificial love. And so the power that he relied on, the power that he relied on, that which seemed like foolishness to the world, was cross power. The power that the, power that the world, or the power that Caesar or Herod relied on is sword power or war power, whatever language you want to put around that. Again, it is complete contrast to the way of Jesus. The way to peace, the power that Jesus relied on is cross power. It is the power of self, self-sacrificial love. I suppose my challenge as a finish is that, to, that for us to discover this peace in Advent, I think it's in following the way of Jesus. It's been willing to to lay down our lives. It's been willing to sacrifice. It's been willing to self-sacrifice 
for the sake of others, that we discover peace for ourselves and we discover peace for those around us because the, that, that bridge building that Homero was talking about, that is, that's ultimately what Jesus did. But he has entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. He has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation, of building bridges and not walls. And it's going to require the same power that Jesus relied on. And it's cross power, it's self-sacrificial love. And so whatever, <laughs> this is maybe too trite to say, but wherever, whatever the world in this Advent season, this Christmas time, whatever the world is telling you to find fulfillment, whatever adverts, whatever image stuff is popping up in your media, whatever the world is telling you to find fulfillment, or wherever it's find, telling you to find peace and shalom, do the opposite. Uh, and that's slightly trite, but it's, it is feeling like it. I'm not going to be a Scrooge. Everything within me wants to be like a, a Scrooge from Christmas Carol. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to suggest to you that there is a, a way to living in this Advent season that will require self-sacrifice. If you want to find peace, I suggest that that's where you will discover it. Um. And so, let, can I pray for us um, as I finish? Couldn't be more conscious of the need, if we're going to talk seriously about living, relying on cross power, living on, with self-sacrificial love. I, I, as incredible as you all are, I don't think any of you will be able to do it without the empowering and the filling of the Spirit. And thankfully, Jesus said in those words that, the, the counselor will come, the spirit will come, and he'll give you all that you need. He'll give you all that you need to experience this peace that I give to you. Peace that the world doesn't the world doesn't give and the world can't give. So Father, I uh, I thank you for your peace. I thank you that that is the consistent declaration even through the, the Christmas story. That even when the angels came to the shepherds, it was Glory to God in the highest and peace, uh, peace to all men and women on the earth. God, and as you, in, in thousands of years ago, looked in the darkness and the tyranny and the rule of empire, and your heart broke. And you sent Jesus, dived right into the chaos, dived right into the turmoil, took on flesh and dwelt among us in order to show a better way in order to show him a, a more beautiful way to peace. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, and thank you that you demonstrated another way. And God, I pray that you would forgive us for those times, forgive me for those times where we, 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 we look to discover peace through the ways of the world, where we convince ourselves that it's in, it's in, it's in having certain things or attaining certain things that we'll find peace. And Jesus, you come and you... you, you you, your words and your ways rub up against it every time. And so, Jesus, we, we, we choose to listen um, we choose, as we wait and as we anticipate and as we long for you would, you. would you let us hear your whisper? Would you let us hear your voice? Following your ways, following your footsteps. Jesus, we're desperate for your peace. And as we think of what's going on across our world, God, we're just longing for peace that is just beyond explanation peace that is 
so supernatural, God. And so we're praying for that, longing for that. And thank you that you're in the midst of it, God, and where there's hurt and there's pain, that's where, you're all, where you are. I pray that would be the experience of people across our world in conflict today. That would be experience, God, for those of us in this room, that outer conflict or inner conflict, that we'd experience supernatural peace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.